0: So, uh, you know, this, this time of year, as I uh, mentioned before, I normally spend a couple of weeks listening to prophetic voices that I trust. And uh, I normally tune out from the regular activities and uh, start to tune into, you know, different prophetic ministries. And I heard a whole lot of great stuff. And uh, I, I think generally we know that the, the world has some challenges ahead. And that is the reality, but God. And this is what we need to understand. Um, I believe one of the things we're going to see here is an acceleration of partnerships for the harvest. We're going to see that. There is a breaking down of walls in the region and we're going to see something happen. Uh, I like some of the um, the prophetic words I've heard Pastor Bikari talking about the uh, you know the the army of the the hosts of the Lord being released. I I really believe that you know because there's stuff going on, on in the uh, on in the earth, but we know that when it comes to the spirit realm, the two thirds are the good guys, and we need to make sure that in our life and our heart we're lined up with what God wants. Um, one of the things that. Uh, I did over the last couple of weeks, so I read an incredible book. You know, we hear about great revivals. Do you, Actually, do you like my PowerPoint up there? All right. Now, talk, I just want to talk about this book that I've been reading, The Great Southland Revival. It, it's uh, put out by the Canberra Declaration. You've got to get yourself a copy, it's brilliant. And it talks about the history of revival, everything from the day of Pentecost, basically to what's happening in Australia at the moment and everything all along. It's really quite remarkable. And one of the things that we don't really realise is how rich in revival history the nation of Australia is. Did you know that uh, back in about the period 1902 to 1906, that the nation of Australia experienced a revival where even in the mines, and I think it was talking about Mount Kembla in New South Wales, where the miners lost control over the donkeys because there was such a deep transformation that happened in in the lives of people that the language, the speech of the miners changed. In other words, they did not feel that they could use the same old, uh, you know, fair language to address their donkeys. So the donkeys stopped obeying them. Now this happened, and we we've actually heard reports of that in the uh, in the Welsh revival. But it actually happened here in Australia before. One of the things that's really amazing is the Methodist. The history of the Methodist Church. In uh, right across Australia, where revival broke out on the gold fields. And uh, at one stage in New New South Wales, they planned to send a tent into every town that had more than 200 people to preach the gospel. Isn't that an amazing thing? And during that period, the church, the Methodist church, grew around 28%. It was like a revival explosion in the Methodist church. You know, it just amaze me, you know, how the gold fields of Ballarat, Bendigo, and, and up at Kerrang, there's been a real move of God up there. And the Baptist Church is strong in that part of the world, and there's some other great churches as well. But you can chart the history. And, uh, you know, I believe, I haven't actually got to what happened in Sale yet, but there's been moves of God in this region. And I believe that part of what we are called to do is to redig the wells. So, uh, you know, this is a land of destiny. And, uh, you know, there is destiny written all over Australia since de Kuros made his statement on the day of Pentecost in 1606. The Spanish uh, uh, explorer de Kuros spoke prophetically across this nation and called it the Great South Land of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want you to go onto the next page there if you can. Our daughter, Elise, I got her to draw a picture of Australia with the word freedom across it. Because I really believe that Australia is called to be the land of the free. And wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached with liberty, liberty is the result. Amen. And this is what our future is. You know, over the last couple of years, we have seen freedom, that has has been the birthright of God to this nation and this region at risk, and I believe that uh, you know God wants His church in the nation to begin to rise up and to begin to preach the gospel again with liberty, without fear, so that Australia can really become the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said. Now, I've got a couple of important words here. The next word is awakening. You know, uh, this book very much, uh, The Great Southland, and many books that I've read have been about different awakenings. And it's great to go through the history of, uh, of the nations and see how at different times there were, uh, you know, different awakenings. And I got caught up in one of those. The first time that God really touched me and begin to set my life on course was in an awakening in the Catholic Church. And what an awakening is, it's when people begin to wake up. And you know, uh, we really need the people of this nation to wake up and and the church needs to be awakened. And uh, in this, just this month in Tarelgon, we are gonna have an awakening event. Okay and the purpose of the awakening event is to gather the unsaved and to and to see them come to Christ but it is also to stir the church because the future of the nation is not hand, not really in the hands of God although it is it is up to us you know to arise and to become participants in national awakening But awakening is never the end, it's the beginning. And I want to explain this so that you can see how this year fits into our church. Because you can go into nations where there have been great events. Like one of the biggest gatherings that uh, I've witnessed in my lifetime, although I didn't see it, was on video, was the uh, revival awakening events led by Reinhard Bonnke in the nation of Nigeria where there was more than one million people in one field. And over a series of nights, more than one million people came to Christ. This is what you call awakening. Yeah. And in the midst of that whole, campi- uh, that whole campaign, there was a documented uh, event of the raising of someone who had been, they lost their life in a car accident and was raised from the dead. It's, it's documented. Now, this is, this is real stuff, real proof. And this is an incredible awakening. And it's available. You can see it on YouTube and you watch the camera pan out over what looks like just a harvest field of wheat. But it is literally more than a million people in a field. And you see Reinhard Bonke, the greatest evangelist of our time, stirring the nation of Nigeria to awakening. And you think after an event like that happened, that the world would be just different the nation would be different but see the, the the church and the nation needs more than an awakening alone i want you to go to the second one so this is uh, 21c reformation now this originally was the vision of uh, of uh, a friend of mine by the name of peter kentley He was a a great man who went to be with the Lord nearly three years ago. And he was was just a great man. He's an airline pilot. God put in his heart a vision for a reformation in the 21st century. He believed that before the 21st century was passed, whether Jesus comes back or, or not in that time is not our issue. We don't want to get overly caught up with that but what he was believing for was a reformation in the 21st century now what a reformation is a reformation is the move of god has become so strong there's been an awakening but the move of god has been so strong and the mindset of the church becomes changed so much that it becomes a participant in a reformation now, we've been historically through 500 years of the Reformation since Martin Luther stood at the, uh, the church door and nailed his thesis and he was the one who began the Reformation of the church. But what we are believing for in this time is that God will begin to accelerate the move, that it won't only be a great event where we see hundreds or maybe even thousands come to the Lord and then go back to their lifestyle. But we see a transformation in the minds of the people that becomes so great that we see a 21st century reformation. Now, one of the things that I'm going to be doing from now on is I'm going to be stepping up my involvement in the network that Peter started because when he passed away, they asked me to lead that network. And at the time, uh, I think I did it because I said yes, because there's basically no one else. But the more and more I, uh, you know, God has been working, this is where I see us going. Who wants to see the Judeo-Christian ethos catch on again? Who wants to see our nation change again? Who wants to see prayer brought back into the public space once again? Who really wants to engage in life to participate in a 21st century reformation? You know, this is the future that God has. God's gonna do something this century and it won't be through one church. It won't be through one group, but what a reformation is is when the awakening starts, you know, it gains momentum that there is a shift in mentality until we become the reformers of our generation. That's the future. So we need to move from just a church mentality, we need to move from just a, a evangelistic mentality, and we need to become the builders, the reformers, the thought leaders of the next generation. This is where we're going. This is the future. And this is why I am calling this, and I well, I don't believe it's me, I I, I went to God, we had, serious chat about this. What do you want this year to be? And he, you know, I believe he put in my heart that this is to be a year of transformation. And I'll just get you to put up that third part now. Um, Over the last year, I started to talk about different steps to transformation and, it, and it's just really, you know, been a good time for me the last year because it helped me to put my philosophy down so that c- people can begin to understand it. And today is part one. All right. Who's going to be, who wants to get involved in this? Not only awakening. I tell you, if you get involved in awakening, that's fantastic. That is Awesome. But when the move of God comes to the place, when the saints of God, when the children of God, the sons and daughters of God come to the place of maturity and their mind is renewed, they can then participate in reformation. First essential for transformation is, the text is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And uh, you can just open there, but I want to say a few more things first. In the scriptures, there's a couple of accounts of absolute transformation. Many, thousands, hundreds. When Jesus crossed over into the region of the Gadarenes, there was a man there we know as the demoniac. And he was a man who'd been in the tombs and around the mountains, screaming at night, cutting himself. He was such a dangerous man that no one could pass that way. He was in shackles, but even the shackles could not hold him. The whole region was shut down because of a demonic influence. Yet when Jesus crossed over, and this is Matthew chapter, this happens in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 20. (coughs) When Jesus crosses over with his disciples into the land of the Gadarenes, something changes. The whole region opens up because one man got set free. Let me tell you, people are still being set free from demonic oppression today. Do you hear that? And this is where if we believe for nothing, we get nothing. But if we understand the greatness of who God is, then we can be set free. You can be set free. The passers-by, even those who are like the demoniac, can be totally set free. That is the message that we preach Here in this church. When Jesus called his disciples. He said come follow me. And I am going to make you fishers of men. And that's Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 to 19. I'll make these notes available later. So you can do your own study on it. But in Matthew chapter uh, 4 verse 18 to 19. Jesus is walking along. And Simon who later became Peter. And Andrew were working their nets. And he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. And a process began. Say that, a process began. Transformation is not, awakening is an event. You know, I wake up when the alarm goes off in the morning, and then there is the process of the day. Awakening is when people think, my goodness, there is a God. And they begin to respond. But the process of transformation is what happens in the years that are ahead. And for these disciples, it was a three and a half year journey where God began to prepare them for, to be the transformed men and women that would shape future society. So uh, it's a metamorphosis. Peter went through a metamorphosis, do you see that? You see that, you can talk to me. Peter went through a metamorphosis. He was Simon and he became Peter. Simon means a reed flapping in the wind. Peter means rock or stone. You see how God bought a metamorphosis in his life. Who wants a metamorphosis in their life this year? Come on, let's do it because honestly, it's a waste of time if you don't buy in, isn't it? So Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you. This is a year to go. I am going to see this as a year of transformation. Now, I tell you, you might aim for the stars. You're, you're going to hit the moon, I tell you, if, even if you don't hit the stars. Like if you aim for nothing, you get nothing. But if you say, I'm gonna change this year, I'm gonna participate in what Pastor Brian's talking about, then something can really happening. What have we seen in this house? Realising that we are all work in process. Is that right? We're all a work in progress. Any works in progress here? Hands up. The rest of you have been perfected already. Put your hand up, Corey. We have seen some pretty amazing things. You know, I just, uh, I just called out one of them there this morning. What an amazing transformation. It just wasn't an awakening where there was a real a wake up and then they just, you know, didn't change anything. They changed everything. They ended the process. And now here we are years later and, and the fruit is coming in. Now, true, true transformation comes with a story that must be told from generation to generation. If you have not, if you don't work on this part of your life, there is a risk that those that will follow you will not know your story and will not see the need for transformation and may well fall into the same traps that you did and even worse. So we need to value our testimony of transformation and we need to tell our story of transformation and if you don't think that you have a testimony of transformation make this year your year so so true transformation comes with a story this man in the gadarenes jesus said go tell all your friends can you imagine that that this man is virtually assaulting everyone who comes through the region, he's belting them up because he is overcome by uh, spiritual forces, is now going and testifying to the power of Christ. That is a testimony of transformation. What is your story that you've got to tell the world? You've got to find a way to do it. You've got to find a way of documenting your story of of telling your story, and and uh, making sure that you live a life to back your story. Yeah. Yeah. Live a life of a transformed man or a woman. There is a song called Amazing Grace. It was written in 1779. It's a long time ago. It was written just after the after the discovery of Australia by John Newton, and he was a slave trader. In other words, he used to imprison people and make money out of selling them to slave slave owners. That is a rotten thing to do. But he encountered Christ and I believe this happened during the reformation in the nation of England and that's why you must have a reformation because someone stood up in the parliament, a man by the name of Wilbur Wilbur, uh, William Wilberforce and he began to contest the, the uh, morality of slave owning. John Newton became saved in that move and was so deeply changed, he didn't just let the slaves go or sell them for a cheap price. What he did is he wrote the song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. It was so deep. So when he, you know, when the Reformation began to take its place, men like this were affected and changed so very deeply. And this is where an awakening, you know, I'm sure that some got saved and still owned their slaves. Because the work of transformation did not go deep. And this is where we can sort of live a counter transformational life, where we get saved, but it's a cosmetic thing. But imagine being like John Newton, who wrote this song, and even today, it was written in 1772, published in 1779, I believe. When we sing Amazing Grace, and you hear people, and you see people come to the altar, You want to weep because you begin to feel what John Newton felt. This is where the church needs to go in the nation. You know, the rapture theology has removed the need for transformation. Forget it. I've heard people saying, we're going this year, we're going this year, we're going this year. Let me tell you, we're going nowhere. Not until the church becomes obedient. And enters into the into the process of rest of this transformation. It's amazing.